0: This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds and we are back doing our thing. The crew is back together. Oh goodness.
1: I always come with props, you know yeah,
0: this. I see that, me O'Brien. How are you? Good to have you back. How is your week? Yes.
1: I, I had a tremendous week, a uh, little uh, long weekend trip to Savannah last week. I know as a fellow office aficionado, you know how to say it with molasses in your mouth, John. Um, only said that about 18,000 times last That's weekend and it. then, uh, had as what many are calling the G unit, the grandparents in town this past weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's been a busy, busy time of the year, but, uh, looking forward to obviously out of bounds each and every Monday evening. Uh, but also the players' championship coming to Jacksonville, and uh, and then getting my tonsils out at the end of March. So we got well, an exciting happening. few weeks to come. Oh, it's I happening! Think that might
0: be the first thing ever to shut you up, Mia O'Brien.
1: You know, um, I will tell you this: the whiteboard has been purchased. Um, I just hope that I remember to use it. Uh, I also um, sent my dues in for my intramural volleyball team today um and while the first game is a week after surgery uh and so technically i'll be able to move but not talk uh yeah it's been recommended i i don't don't play the first yeah
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't do that i had my tonsils taken out when i was in second grade and i think it was a little different then but still
1: did find out fun facts that when my mother was upset about me getting my tonsils out at age 30 uh my great-grandfather got his out at 45 discovered that this weekend so you know like the more you know and you know he was in pain for three weeks but i'm also 15 years younger and uh, modern medicine has progressed in the last uh, 70 so. years
0: i would hope yes. that it has we'll be talking about savannah on this episode of out of bounds among many other things special thanks to mark splain last week for filling in that was our so dog having mark uh, and i get a chance to reunite for the first time in eight years on air so thank you to him And we are rocking and rolling on this week's edition. Mia, you were gone last week, so why don't you give us a little opening toast on this week's edition?
1: Oh, absolutely, John. I would like to give this opening toast to the greatest time of the year um, outside of the month of October, which I believe firmly is the greatest month in the calendar year, not because of my birthday, but because of all the sports, the sports that are going on. Uh, I truly believe that there is something magical about March Madness, about... College baseball, college softball, the weather this time of year in the state of Florida, Uh, the Florida golf swing. You get a little bit of everything with the NFL free agency opening up. It's awesome to come in like a lion, leave like a lamb. And as you will find out in the duration of today's show, I am a big fan of buzzer beaters and I like to sing Celine Dion to them. And we will be singing lots of Celine Dion these next few weeks. So let's get it popping, brother.
0: There it is. Mm-hmm.
1: And I am also drinking kombucha for a fourth straight week in preparation for popping said bottles in preparation for all the March Madness.
0: No J Lo diet this year.
1: No, actually, I well. So here's the thing. Is so now that the tonsils are coming out, I'm very gonna lose curious life. because
0: weight off that. I'm going
1: to lose weight. Presum- presuming you will. Yeah. So that's good. So that's number one. Um, but also I'm going to eat so much ice cream that I'm also like, mm, how's that I, gonna go? I was,
0: I remember the ice cream. I think that's somewhat of a myth because dairy buildup creates acid buildup and that's not good for your tonsils. So I remember when I had them, it was recommended to do the Italian ices instead
1: interesting
0: because that's just ice just flavored ice
1: okay well i love rita's and there's a rita's down the street so i guess i'm gonna go buy stock in them um but no the j-lo diet which um if anyone has any suggestions for how to cope with tonsillectomies um please leave a comment um also just a comment in general because we love our super chats um so please leave them on youtube or kyn chats you're the best (laughs) Uh, yes be sure to do so (laughs) see we got thank you sports and things jello helps here we go. Um, we appreciate all those comments and more. But, yes, yeah, so the J-Lo diet, if you want more information on that, uh, folks, it is no caffeine, no sugar, no alcohol, no carbs for 10 days. Wow. Uh, I did it three times in the summer of 2019, successfully ahead of weddings. It's kind of like a an intenser version of keto. Um, and I do have several weddings this summer or and then into the fall. So, yes, I will be doing it again at some point, John. So.
0: On my level on that one, but uh, I could tell you love you
1: listen, you and your 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 chef mastery, like maybe I should have you flying I, in to like cook for me because I, I can should. eat meat.
0: Absolutely. Well, I could tell you someone that was cooking, cooking. last night. Who was it, me, O'Brien?
1: It was Dame Lord, uh 71 points.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean he had what, 45 in the first half?
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, he, he We're had gonna see more someone... than four hundred yeah. feet worth of shots that he made last night
1: yeah I yeah so okay so our question on our rundown is phrased as this um we've seen two seventy-one point performances alone the regular season has a month and a half still to go in the NBA this season how close will someone come to Wilt Chamberlain's record realistically with how today's game is played which moreover will we see a 100 point performance in the near future John Alba
0: I'll tell you man where it is a shooters-friendly league and where there's more emphasis put on the three-point shot. I don't think we've ever been closer to something like this happening. Obviously, Kobe got into the 80s. We know that.
1: So did Devin Booker. Or he got Uh, 70. He got 70.
0: He was in the 70s. 70s. Uh, We know that Kobe got into the 80s. That was 20 years ago nearly, which is terrifying as is the fact that that was nearly 20 years ago. But uh, I do think that we are on the verge of someone is going to break through and get close to that iconic 100 figure. Is anyone ever going to score 100 points? Ah, Man, I don't know, Mia. It's just the game has changed for for better or for worse in that regard. Like Wilt back then could just bully in the paint. Nobody could even touch him. It was like the chief and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He just threw it up. And you were set. But if someone gets the hot hand like Dame did here, where he can just spot up from the logo and drill it with ease, it's not unfathomable to suggest that someone could come really close in the next five years. What say you?
1: 175
0: to 174 is my response. <laughs> the the uh, double overtime. Double overtime game the other night.
1: Double overtime, but 175 to 174.
0: It was, it, it happened.
1: They only allow what 12 guys on an NBA roster, two or two way players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do the math. I mean, that's that's if that's if you got a couple guys in the 20s, a couple guys in the 30s, a couple other guys have like you know five to 12.
0: Dame was 22 of 38 from the field, 13 of 22 from three point range in 39 minutes, dropped 71 points.
1: So here's one thing I do want to note, um, and this is just from me doing uh, uh, which of call caller. Sorry, my sister's asking if our family has high blood pressure. I don't know the answer to that. Um, uh, here's here's my thing: is that in doing sidelines and play-by-play for a lot of mid-major college basketball this year, I found it fascinating. Even talking with the coaching staff at the University of North Florida, where they're known as the Birds of Trey, they have the highest three-point percentage in the country nearly every season. They were explaining to me that. Not only have they had to take more pride in defending the three, but it's because since everyone is shooting the three, everyone is defending the three better in college. And so that's where obviously once you get to the NBA, the question becomes how much defense are they playing total? Um, But moreover, people are taking more shots in college. They're taking more shots in high school and middle school, which means they're only going to take more shots once they get to the NBA.
0: Sure. I'll tell you what, I watched a lot of NBA this past weekend. I saw a lot of great defense in the NBA this past weekend, even with some of these scores. The Knicks
1: game, right?
0: And there was a sequence in the uh, game we're going to talk about shortly with the Clippers um, that I thought Kawhi just played tremendous chase down defense on. And and I think there's a lot of critics out there that say, oh, there's no defense in the NBA, which is why what Dame did yesterday was just so much more remarkable because this is a guy – That said, I'm not afraid to spot up from 45 feet away and I'll drain it. That's his game. That's what this guy can do. And if that's what Damian Lillard is capable of doing, who after last night, I looked at a 97% uh, chance at induction in the pro basketball hall of fame. um, If that's what something like what he can do in this era, as the game evolves, as you inferred, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility in the next five years where the game spaces out a little more that guys become more adept at shooting the three under pressure. And I I really don't think the defense can do anything about that. If guys can clear that space and knock it down from anywhere, because I mean, this is what people dream of, right? Like this is where kids, this is a horrible example for kids. Uh, by the way, horrible example for kids.
1: What, because kids uh, shouldn't be shooting threes? Well, they no, should jacking I'm them up?
0: Not, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is now you're going to have kids in rec leagues just spotting up from near the logo. We and, already do! But I'm saying more now so more than ever when you see guys like Dame, which, listen, that's me being facetious. It's awesome stuff.
1: Yes. No, I'll, I will say this. Like, so the game I called Friday night, right? Um at halftime, UNF had made eight threes and Bellerman had made, I believe, six. And the first thing the coach said to our side, the Bellerman coach said to our sideline reporter coming out of the locker room was, if you want to see beautifully played basketball, and granted the percentage, they both were shooting over 45%. I think it was like, there was like 10 assists on like 18 made baskets for like each team. He was like, this is beautiful basketball. And so I apologize to everyone who says defense wins championships because in our society, which we're going to talk about baseball coming up in a little bit, in a world where offense sells tickets and America has a small attention span, this is what you're going to get. And so my question, therefore, John, is, will we see a four-point shot one day?
0: I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And and then, then that becomes a total game changer. I mean, they've experimented it with the different like all-star festivities, like the celebrity all-star game at a four point shot. I don't think it's out of the realm possibility that they would do that. It would be a pretty radical change. There's uh, no doubting it, but we've seen guys like Dame and guys like James Harden, not afraid to spot up from super far away. And You've if they come in adept-
1: college, we're going to talk about it in just yeah. a little bit.
0: If they become adept at it, then uh, Hey, i um, I'm, I'm open to getting creative. I think we are going to come close to 100 points by somebody. I don't know if someone's ever going to get to 100, but I do think that someone will just be so absurdly dominant that I think this will be something we'll have to check back in in a decade. But I think within the next 10 years, someone will get to 90.
1: I really do believe that. And here's my question, um, especially with all this debate at least on my show on XL Primetime when LeBron surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the discussion of who is the greatest of all time, who is the greatest scorer, um, how will those players that played in the two-point and the three-point shot era be viewed?
0: I mean, you can't hold anything against them. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, We're
1: already seeing that. Because like, there's a there's a contingent that says, well, Kareem did it with only... Com- like, how many threes did he make in his life?
0: I also... Like, 33. Right. I, also, I also have people in my Twitter mentions every single week telling me LeBron James isn't the top 10 player of all time. And I just.
1: But I also have people who try to say that, that there's this notion that, you know, Michael Jordan is undoubtedly better than LeBron.
0: <sighs> we could. Go I know it's, it's a debate
1: that everyone wants to have. I you, get it. Listen, like, it's you can content. let us know,
0: guys. Leave us that super chat. Let us know. We're, we'll always be willing to uh, revisit that one. But I do want to keep moving on here because yeah. there was a, a. We talk about the weird, wacky, and wild here on Out of Bounds. Uh, there, this was a, a very weird weekend. I was so yeah.
1: sad it didn't count.
0: And, well, so there were a couple of these. Look, we love a good buzzer beater in sports, right? Those are always great. Yes. Great dramatics. Joel Embiid's having like one of the best seasons of any big man ever. He's been. Unbelievable this year. And which the- he could
1: say the last few years. And then also there's the dude out in Denver named Nikola Jokic, yeah. too. Yeah, so. to too.
0: Uh, but the Sixers were trailing the Celtics by three as time was about to expire.
1: After Embi- Jason Tatum made a three with 1.5 Embi- left.
0: And Embi- B throws up the 70 foot heave and it goes in. Would have tied the game. Instead, it's a three point loss after, as you can see in that image, just a fraction of a second too late and then last night Paul George had the same thing happen for him after he nailed a half-court shot for the Clippers against the Nuggets but just after the buzzer had that gone down LA would not have lost in overtime they would have won the game Uh, as your boy I know you love the brand John Rothstein would say the epitome of brutality uh, this is March but uh, I know you're you're trying to take a more optimistic look at the buzzer beaters this week aren't you
1: I love them I love them. I wish the Joel Embiid one counted because it literally was a shot put. It was amazing. Um, That's a four-point play.
0: I'm I'm teeing you up on an opportunity to talk about Iowa women's basketball. You are. I was going to go. I'm I'm segueing. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm segueing. I want to thank
1: my good friend J.P. Acosta of SB Nation, who went through unbiased because he went to Northwestern and FAU, and he ranked – The best buzzer beaters of the weekend. And guess what number one was, John?
0: Iowa women's basketball. It
1: was indeed Caitlin Clark. And it was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, folks, you should go see it. And it brings up a larger discussion that I brought up on XL Primetime today and I will also bring up here. Um, But first and foremost, why on earth would you allow the best player in the country who is averaging 28 points per game, and I know the defender from Indiana slipped, why would you allow her to get the ball, even if there's 1.5 seconds left on the clock?
0: Bad defense.
1: Everyone in the <laughs> arena knew bad she was getting the bad ball. Coaching. Right, she slipped. She sl- And and you know, and then they were like, oh, well, she traveled with it. The funny part is, and this is the bigger question, and then we'll get back to the buzzer beaters, I want to bring up with you, is the only reason that Iowa was in the situation it was, they missed the would-be go-ahead shot with 4.8 seconds left. Monica Sinano did. Indiana gets the ball back. Questionable travel doesn't get called by Indiana, but then they call the foul on Iowa. Kind of ticky tack. Nah. They, you know, Mackenzie Holmes makes both free throws. Now Iowa's down two, and then they, because the way in women's basketball works is you call a timeout and then you advance the ball up the court. Um, they advance the ball and on the inbound, Caitlin Clark catches it off off angle. Three, three for the win, not for, not for go, not for side. Um, well, my question for you, John, is is that situation was you know it kind of brought up again the question that we had after the Super Bowl, which was if you're a ref in the final ten seconds of a game in the final two minutes of a football game, are you really going to call pass interference? Are You really gonna call? I believe you
0: gotta call these things. I'm sorry, travel. Well, they, they okay. didn't call the travel,
1: but they we called them back take home
0: from the great state of Maine, just so you know, by the way. But yeah, never uh, forget. But I look, I think you gotta call it because I think you come under more heat for a referee not doing their job versus doing their job. I think that's the reality of the situation. I think it's easier. To come down on someone for not doing their job than it is for them doing their job because if a call is accurate if a call is right then they did what they were supposed to do so i'm i'm not gonna ever come down on these referees for that it's an impossible unenviable position to be in and look thankfully we have in the case of these missed buzzer beaters with Embiid and Paul George, we have the benefit of replay and stoppage to be able to look at these things where the referees can make the accurate call. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up the state of Maine. There was a big, big, uh, the Maine state back. Yeah, no, let's talk about right that now.
1: one. Somebody sent that to me.
0: Yeah, and, and it was a amazing finish where these two teams were trading shots back and forth, and at the buzzer, a kid made a shot, but if you – looked at it and even if you were just watching with the blind eye from the broadcast uh, the kid got the shot up after the buzzer but the referees counted it there was no review the head coach of the other team tried to get himself booked on bill simmons podcast to talk about it but uh he was unsuccessful there uh fantastic. but but it brought up the whole point like should these things be reviewable at that level and all that so listen man buzzer beaters the epitome of brutality they can be so unbelievably fantastic but also uh, just the drama can be sucked out of it if, if we get situations like this where two of the best players in the NBA uh, had their hearts ripped out and both teams ended up coming out on a or losing Or even Indiana, the number
1: two team in the country.
0: Even Indiana. For
1: what it's worth. I mean, Indiana beat Iowa Fair and Square the last time when they played at Assembly Hall. Number two team in the country, have one loss coming in. And, uh, yeah, uh, enjoy. Like, enjoy. It happens to the best of us. Um, Which, speaking of, uh, a couple other buzzer beaters I want to hit. Like I mentioned, my good friend JP uh, went through. We ranked the ones from the weekend. Are you ready for these rankings, John? Let's hear it. Uh, We forgot about Trey Young sinking the nets on Friday night.
0: Oh, I didn't forget about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, you didn't forget (laughs) about it. That's another 127-127 game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's number five on his rankings. Hunter Dickinson sending Michigan to overtime, and then they won it. That one for me was so wild, just because Hunter. Why the hell was Hunter Dickinson out that far? Like, why is the big seven footer all the way out it's beyond the arc on the end?
0: shoot now. That's it's reality.
1: insane. Um, the Florida State buzzer beater was amazing because very similar to the Jason Tatum, jo- Joel Embiid situation. Um, Miami scores with eight point one left. I mean, you know, they're all thinking, "Yeah, here we go." And and then somehow, someway, eight win for fighting Leonard
0: Hamiltons.
1: Matthew Cleveland, baby, he's inevitable, just like he was against Virginia, the same, same, literally the same day last year. Um, Arizona State's half court heave was amazing because that was before mm. the logo. That that's like the true, like one in a million. It's
0: an impressive, which one. is wild. Mm-hmm. And then he had
1: Caitlin Clarkin, and then he had Caitlin Clarkin number one. Uh, and that was just because it was such a great basketball game, and like for it to end the way everyone was like in the back of their head, they're like, you know. It would be pretty epic if this is how this game ended. Um, but no. So, so the Celine Dion. Um, have you ever heard of Titanic Hoops? Yeah. Yes, I love Titanic Hoops. Twitter, yes, Elon, if you're watching, Elon, please bring it back. Please resurrect. Elon me.
0: ain't touching uh, our show. I promise you that.
1: No, no, I want him. I want him to bring Titanic Hoops back though, because it's great. Even with walk off field goals, it's just you know, and there's something beautiful when the yeah he. There's not when like that note hits because, and you listen, John, you are perhaps next to myself the biggest sucker for sports theater out there.
0: I do love sports theater in terms
1: of directing a live sporting event. There is nothing greater for me than a director who is able to not only celebrate the joy of victory but the agony of defeat in the, the same 30 defeat. second sequence,
0: yeah, and letting the moment breathe. It's a big part of it. And yes, I understand you put Celine Dion in the backdrop. It- I do elevates the moment. I understand we're talking clocks being beat. Uh, that's now something yeah. that we have to talk about in baseball, Mia.
1: Yes. Oh, uh, it's something you want to talk about. Full show. Major League Baseball rule changes are in full swing in spring training. Among the changes are bigger bases, banning the shift, and perhaps most notable. Uh, no, sorry, uh, banning the shift, not the wave. Okay. Um, and perhaps yes, perhaps most notable, the pitch clock. It seems to be working between Friday and Sunday, a total of 35 spring training games are played with an average game length of two hours and 37 minutes compared to an average of three hours and one minute for spring training last year. But it has also created some anticlimactic situations like when Cal Conley of the Braves didn't set up in the batter's box in time with the bases loaded, full count, bottom of the ninth, the tie ball game, and he therefore is called out on strikes. John, give us your take. <laughs> on Talking the pitch about clock.
0: the epitome of brutality, huh? Holy moly. Yeah, like,
1: way worse. You don't like, even get to play the game.
0: Well, it's just like that's the moment you dream of as a baseball player, right? You're bottom of the ninth, tie game, full count, bases juiced. And because you didn't step back into the batter's box with eight seconds left on the pitch clock, uh, you got called out on strikes. That was brutal. And I do think there need to be some protections against that. With that said, I am all about the pitch clock. I think that, and and this is coming from a baseball purist. I got the ninety eight Yankees right there above me. Uh, as as a baseball purist, I love a good long game. I do. but a two and a half hour digestible baseball game, really makes the viewing experience much more desirable does it not just even losing that half hour can make such a big and there were some games that were done in like two hours and 15 minutes this past week like a little more than the average length of an NBA game which is just awesome get these things done out of the way especially spring training where there's no stakes whatsoever they're gonna have to get used to it in spring training that's why you're rolling it out right now and trying to get people uh, in the habit of stepping up but what I have found is that And from watching a lot of games this past weekend, most pitchers are adapting pretty well to it. And it's speeding up the pace at a desirable uh, pace. It's speeding up the pace at a desirable length, I should say rather. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm all about this, Mia. What what about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm all about it because I understand what the American people's attention span currently resides at, um, which is little to none. Um, I mean, just look at, you know, the nature of when you scroll through Instagram or TikTok. I mean, you know, within the first... Four seconds, if it hasn't captivated your attention, scrolling past it. Mm -hmm. It's something that, as a content creator, I struggle with every day. And while it's a little bit different when it's a live sporting event, at the end of the day, your future depends on attracting the younger generation. And while there's hundreds, thousands, millions of young boys playing Little League and young girls playing softball, I I mean, the the thing is, is I think there's a... There's, and again, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like there's this portion of the next generation that likes genuinely playing the sport. Mm-hmm. But do they like following the sport? Will they sit down and watch a full baseball game versus they're just going to watch the highlights? Like that, that's that, I've heard that from a lot of people that yeah. that's how well, kids watch the NBA.
0: People, I think a lot of people look at baseball as like a I can do other things while I watch it sport. And that is part of the appeal in watching baseball. But I also recognize where it's part of the I'm going to go change the channel element. And I think that by having the pitch clock there, you're making sure that players are not BSing. Someone posted a great video that showed an at-bat from the 2016 uh, NL playoffs with uh, Jose Altuve hitting a inside the park home run in the corner so it was this really slow at bat with jose altuve in the corner and it was like count how many inside the park home runs jose altuve hits before a pitch is thrown in this at bat and he hit seven before the pitch was even thrown so there there were legitimate problems that were also slowing down the broadcast too and that's that's a really bad thing i want to see more broadcast presentations improve with the pitch clock i don't like it being a giant square in the bottom of the corner. It's very distracting. I think you need to incorporate that like how the NFL has incorporated that into score bugs uh, with a play clock. Uh, but I do like this a lot. I think it's something we'll get used to. I'm not really all that concerned. You just have to have some protection so that you don't have situations like what we saw in that uh, spring training game where the, the game ended in the bottom of the nine, because you can have ties in spring training. Uh, but One thing I do want to ask you, Mia, on top of this is... The
1: the the extra runner on base and extra innings. Well,
0: I mean, we know that that's a permanent rule going forward. And the runner on second base was put in to speed up the games. Why do we need that now if we're speeding up the games at an accelerated... I mean, we dropped, in one weekend, we dropped 30 minutes on average off these games.
1: They want want more. Those are rookie numbers. Get those numbers up.
0: Do we need that though? Like,
1: like now, no, the nature of the nature of baseball is to be pastoral and, and, you know, it's not supposed to be this fast, high paced in your face hockey game. It's just not, that's not basketball. Like it's, it's not subs on the fly. It's not just, you know, next play next at bat. Like that's, I mean, yes, it is, but, but not to the extent that those two sports are. It's just not. And the funny part is, is like we complain with football about, oh, there's too many TV timeouts, too many commercials. But the reality is that people keep watching it.
0: Well, there's a finite time limit to a football game, you know, when a football game is going to end. And look, baseball doesn't have that. But I just get bothered because this extra inning rule was done solely for the purpose of speeding up the game. And now we've already found a solution that is going to speed up the game massively. And again, I go back to it. I would have been fine if you did the extra inning runner in the 12th inning, 13th inning, but doing it right away when we're accelerating, I'm all about changes. I'm very liberal with that stuff, but it just seems to be, so much so fast and so quickly i'm fine with the bigger bases that doesn't bother me
1: yeah that's whatever i've
0: come around on the shift being banned yeah because... i'm not a
1: huge fan of it just because i think it's strategy and i yeah, think that, that loses the novelty of the scheme and yeah
0: if, if it creates more offense that's good for the game but
1: when will they ban the wave john what are your mlb We're, network sources never, telling us Never
0: gonna do it and that's what pisses me off but... Whatever. It's fine. This is something we should not be banning, and that's the Savannah Bananas, because they are awesome. This story, if you guys haven't been paying attention to the Savannah Bananas, you very much need to introduce yourself and best familiar. They're going to be on
1: ESPN Plus if they're not already.
0: They are uh, baseball's version of the Harlem Globetrotters. They do dances. They do stunts, including this one that has captivated the internet in the last few days. This is outfielder David Meadows, and what he introduced recently were backflip catches. So he does a backflip as the ball is about to land, and you can see there with his glove out, he's catching the ball like that. This has to be one of the most visually impressive athletic feats I think I've ever seen. Where does it stand for you, Mia?
1: Because I don't think it can be choreographed. How do you know the ball is going to be hit exactly in that direction at that exact point? You don't. Exactly. That's where I think it has to rank up there.
0: Like because as, I've much as, been as much as as much as
1: no offense to your no no offense to the pro wrestling crowd, uh which obviously, you know, know your news. We love our our, you know, MMA and our, our pro wrestling. But there's something to be said about blocking. Are the Savannah bananas like stage choreographing? Yes. I think to some extent they are. I don't know if they're choreographing the entire game like the Harlem Globetrotters, because the trajectory of a baseball to go at exactly that length at that time, and for him to do the flip at a certain time, I mean, that's some circus meets sports level, I don't even know what type of wizardry. Yeah,
0: I, I have a colleague that I know that is on the Savannah Bananas, and uh, the amount of work that goes into their presentation is pretty incredible, and the choreographed dances, and, uh, just everything with the timing of stuff they had one where they're doing a whole dance routine and the guy just fires strike three, like right after it. And like, like you can't make that out. Like, well, if a guy fouls off a ball, you know, like you can't control that stuff. So it is really down to a science for them. It's unbelievably impressive. This is incredible because like you said, the the Harlem Globetrotters, there is a pretty high degree of choreographing the game, but still at the end of the day, they got to make the shots, right? Like you, you can't just get by off spinning a ball alone. Uh, in this you're camping under a fly ball if you screw up the whole mystique of the stunt is gone it's over that's what people are paying to see you do i i've always been impressed by when hockey players drag the puck up in the air and place it back behind the net uh you know mm-hmm. like if they're coming from behind the net we've seen that goal a few times in hockey it was that famous Michigan title win i believe that had that um Yeah, but I think this is right up there among the most impressive things I've ever seen in a sporting event. And I'm being so serious about that. I don't think I'm being overreactive in suggesting that.
1: No, and I think that there's also a larger conversation to be had as someone who worked in independent baseball for my first internship my summer after freshman year and who's covered minor league baseball my last two jobs, three jobs, I guess, technically. Um, The Savannah Bananas were a minor league team, and they were on the brink of financial collapse. Then they were an independent team and you know, what, where do you go from there? And having worked for an independent team and knowing that that independent team plays 12 miles away from the New York Mets and the New York Yankees in Northern New Jersey, drawing fans is difficult, yeah. even if it's affordable. they selling find. out
0: every night, four or 5,000 fans
1: in a market. Correct. In a market and, like And Jackson, they're on the
0: road and they've taken it on the road.
1: No, they take them because the demand is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing is like in a market like Jacksonville or even like a market like Cedar Rapids for what it's worth, where I previously was like, because there isn't a major league team for miles. And because the affiliate of that team is relative proximity with the jumbo shrimp and Jacksonville being the Miami Marlins, triple A affiliate. And with the Cedar Rapids kernels being the single a of the Minnesota twins, you get a little bit of like, Oh, I'm a twins fan. I want to see this young up and coming kid. Um, But moreover, it's, As a family, we love baseball and we don't want to drive all the way to Minneapolis and spend all this money. And therefore, it's affordable. In Savannah, like in theory, you know, you're three and a half hours from Atlanta, you're two and a half hours from, you know, Jacksonville, who doesn't have a major league team. But like the fact that they said, listen, like we understand our lane and we're just going to lean into the bit. Mm -hmm. I think it is so revolutionary. And Mm -hmm. I think it deserves all the praise and way more notoriety than it's getting for what they have done
0: i agree financially speaking
1: and economically speaking
0: i think they're well on their way to that when you can take your brand on tour you're on to something good there and uh, you're going to be around for a long time unfortunately somebody that may not be carson wentz
1: oh my goodness john i still can't believe this one the washington commanders released former number two overall pick carson wentz clearing nearly 30 million dollars in cap space as a result, many have speculated this could be the end of the line for Wentz as a starting quarterback. You don't say, maybe in the game at all. Maybe he should be looking at the USFL or the XFL. John, where does he rank on all-time bust list given his background out of North Dakota State?
0: It was a big risk, no doubt, taking him out of North Dakota State, and you know, you're when you're. He venting. was an MVP
1: candidate, by the way, his second year in the oh, league.
0: So, so here's what I want to bring up. I I've seen this conversation a lot all day long of uh, look at like all time bust in Carson Wentz. And mm-hmm. I just don't think you can say somebody that played a vital part in a Super Bowl run and almost won an MVP and made a pro bowl. I just don't think you can call them an all time no. bust. I don't think that's a fair. Do you answer.
1: think he got the yips or got no, some sort of mental? He loss. had
0: that horrible injury when with Philadelphia that his com- career dramatically went on a slope after that. And because these injuries are very real. I mean, the dude had a head-to-head hit, a helmet-to-helmet hit that drove him into the turf. He beat up his body, he beat up his head,
1: tore his ACL,
0: tore his ACL. These are real injuries that affect players, and not just physically, but mentally as well. Oh They're yeah, very hard to bounce back from. So, you know, it's fun to make the jabs at Carson Wentz because he's somebody who shouldn't have been in the show in the first place, according to some people. No, because like yeah, that, that, I don't yeah that. And, and I don't think it's fair.
1: He was an MVP candidate. Everything was going his way. And you can say it was the team around him all you want. But at the end of the day, he's the quarterback. If he doesn't get the ball out, if he's not risking his body the way he is, they don't score touchdowns. Their leading receiver was Zach Ertz. Their best wide mm-hmm. receiver was an aging Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Yes, Doug Peterson is a wizard. I can say that because now I work with him almost daily. But the fact of the matter is, is Carson Wentz was a good quarterback. Yeah. My issue, and again, and this this is where I think it all went awry. I agree with you. I think his body, you know, was just it, it's beat it's up it's right changed. Now, and that changed his body. But changed. I think mentally, he was not able to withstand the pressure of coming back from the injury, and moreover, everything else that followed. I firmly believe, firmly believe, just from everything I've heard, that for whatever the reason, Jalen hurts being drafted sent this guy into a tailspin, which you would think, as a competitor, you want competition. Doug Peterson, as a former backup quarterback in the National Football League, always drafts backup quarterbacks. Yes, it's a little unorthodox. They went out and they drafted somebody in the second round who had been a Heisman finalist and won a national title. Um, But at the end of the day, like... That that's the nature of the business. Well,
0: I think it's also a fair question to ask if he had not been in Philadelphia when all this stuff was going down. If he had been in, I don't know, insert. Yeah. Oh, with the
1: Indian Philadelphia in, media.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the but fans. Then he goes, but here's the thing.
1: Then he goes to Indy, though, and he could, be, and then he crumbled under the pressure mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, but even think, with his I whisperer, was, Frank Reich. I think those
0: wheels were in motion at that point already. I, I yeah. think when someone. I think, yeah, the- like, like you were you were saying it before we went on air. Like, is it yips and stuff? Like, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the yips per se because it's not like he was this abominably atrocious player. He wasn't good, but he wasn't un In, in critical bad. So he
1: he wilted.
0: He, and he did, and absolutely. And listen,
1: he won three he, national titles at North Dakota State. That's what's playing, wild.
0: Playing quarterback in the NFL is not an yeah. easy thing to do. And there are people that do it at a very high, successful level. And we're going to talk about quarterbacks who do it at a very high, successful level in just a little bit here on Out of Bounds. But uh, it is a very difficult thing to do and to do it at a high rate and sustain that greatness. That's why I'm always such a big proponent of appreciating greatness when it's in front of you, because so many people kiss that greatness, but never able to sustain it. Carson Wentz to me is a guy who was a really good football player at one period of time. He suffered a really bad injury that set him back mentally. It set him back physically. And he unfortunately was just never able to overcome it. Is he an all time bust? No, I don't think he's an all time bust. Is he somewhat of a bust? Yeah, he's somewhat of a bust. He's the number two overall. Is it a Greek
1: tragedy? Yes, it's a Greek tragedy, but it's not a bust.
0: Yeah, I I mean, you know. And not to
1: mention the poor, poor man. But they got a Super Bowl out of
0: him. They got a Super Bowl out of him. That's, I mean, that's (laughs) the bottom line. Like, can you really call someone an all-time bust if you got a Super Bowl? He didn't play in the Super Bowl, but he helped get Philly to that point.
1: Yeah, no offense, Nick Foles. You wouldn't have gotten him that far. Right, um, so. But, no, I, I think the other thing, too, is that you're me- your psyche is ruined, and now you have to go hang out with Jim Ursay. Oh, and now you got to go hang out with uh, Riverboat Ron, great guy, and uh, and the crazy Jack Del Rio. Have fun! All I right. do want to read this one to you before we get to quarterback rankings, John just courtesy of Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer. Carson Wentz signed a four-year, $128 million extension with the Eagles in 2019. Its base value over six years, folding two years of his rookie deal in, was about $154 million. Today, the Commanders terminated that deal. Wentz wound up making $105,198,279 from three teams since 2019.
0: Hey, good for him. Get paid, man. If you... His body, what would you do with
1: 105 million?
0: It, I have a lot of things that I do. But his, his body got beat up and his mind got beat up, and that's something that he may never get back. So at least get your money while you can. And, again, we're going to talk about that in just a minute here. But before we do, we want to stay with the commanders because uh, this is the pettiest man in football history right here.
1: Yeah, that's true. Carson Wentz had to deal with him too.
0: Uh, that is Dan Snyder, owner of the Washington Commanders. Uh, he's been exploring a sale of Washington uh, – many believe brought on by pressure from fellow owners. Uh, he's reportedly blocking a bid from Jeff Bezos to buy the team that he, because he has believed that for nearly a decade, the Bezos owned Washington post has been trying to oust him from the NFL. A good old fashioned billionaire quarrel here, Mia O'Brien. Uh, do you think that someone can try to step in and change this? Would Bezos and the NFL be a good idea is this all theatrics? What's your takeaway on this? At the end of the day here.
1: Mm. Snyder's a bad human being. He can't talk about anybody else being a bad human being. Scene.
0: Listen, I'm not going to deny that given all of the allegations and lawsuits that have been thrown his way. But here's just one thing. When I mention the name Bezos...
1: Yeah, well, it's still better than Elon. Elon's going to find a way to have a team at some point.
0: Yeah, I'm not even getting into that. But when I'm... I'm just saying, you
1: know it's coming.
0: When I say the name Bezos and I say the name Snyder, here's something that I want to remind fans out there about. These owners have so much money. So much money. That it is unfathomable. And when you take the side of ownership against players or coaches, understand what you are standing up for. People who can afford to pay billions of dollars without even feeling it affected in any single way. They are not, by the, by, they are not bothered by dishing out a $2 billion check on any given day. These are the people that we're talking about. And we're talking about billionaires quarreling over a football team. One. I
1: placed an order on Amazon before our show. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> you're feeding the problem. But I just, I want everyone. At the same time,
1: remember. maybe I'm feeding getting Dan Snyder. Maybe you are. A very questionable character out of Washington.
0: and But but remember this. And out
1: of the National Football League.
0: I remember this. When and if Dan Snyder sells this team, Dan Snyder's going to come away with billions of dollars out of it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, but that's the cost of doing business.
0: Just remember that at the end of the yeah, day. that is, what is But going- no,
1: I, I think it's at the end of the day, it's just Dan Snyder is literally clinging to anything he possibly can at this point in time. And going after the Washington Post seems like an easy out.
0: I just think, like, imagine, and I'm not trying to cut Jeff Bezos any flack here. But imagine if Jeff Bezos, nine years ago in 2013, when Dan Snyder alleges this reporting started against him, this ruse to get him out. Imagine Jeff Bezos just calls this team meeting on whatever we used in 2013 for conference calls, Google Hangout. Yeah. And was like, and was like, listen, everybody, I hate Dan Snyder and I want him out of the NFL. So, damn it, pal, get all of our best reporters on the Washington beat and get this man out of the league because I want to buy Washington.
1: I'm going to start going through (laughs) what sports reporters – Jeff Bezos has a a
0: mini-me next to him.
1: What sports reporters have they hired? They like, I mean, they have done a halfway decent job. They've done a
0: great retaining. job with their reporting. Yeah, ongoing, retaining.
1: So. Listen, compared to some of the other news outlets I'm in this country, saying,
0: I'm just saying, what if that was? No, a not, I I brutal... want to go through.
1: I want to see. I want to see who they got.
0: Just think like, who about hired. Think about that as a directive coming from Jeff Bezos specifically, because he just so badly wants to own.
1: Snyder doesn't Washington. understand reality. So,
0: all right, let's beat. debate, me O'Brien. Here Yay! we go.
1: Uh, Friend of the program Dov Kleeman posted a hypothetical rank them in in terms of who deserves the most money when it comes to a quarterback extension and contract this offseason here they are Lamar Jackson Joe Burrow Jalen Hurts Justin Herbert Danny Dimes John who deserves to get paid the most versus the least
0: well they all deserve to get paid they're all good quarterbacks Uh, there's three here that I would say are in a another league from the other two. And I would say that that's Burrow Jackson and Herbert. I would say that Jones and Hertz are somewhat in the same arena. Hertz obviously has the Super Bowl run in his back pocket, uh, that he was just outstanding on that playoff run and, and Jones in his pocket has, he had a tremendous contract year for his standards. Um,
1: with the new coaching staff,
0: with the new coaching staff that figured it out, they figured out what the issues were with Daniel Jones, and they made it work. Um, you know, the re- this all stems from the report, of course, that Daniel Jones wants forty-five million dollars a year, and that For Lamar Jackson, years. and that Lamar Jackson wants uh, more money than what Deshaun Watson got. Which, first off, I'll say this: Lamar Jackson should make more money than what Deshaun Watson got, but Deshaun Watson yes. also shouldn't be getting the amount of money that he's getting. So yes. that's that's twofold. Uh, Mia, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow, number one. Mm -hmm. I'll go with Lamar, number two, Herbert, number three, Jalen Hurts, four, Daniel Jones, five. And I I would accept an argument where I would flip Herbert and Lamar Jackson, just because I do think Justin Herbert is, like, very much the future of the NFL.
1: Another important note of this is that Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback here that is in the class of 2018, um, expected to play on the franchise tag, presumably. This upcoming season, whereas um, Daniel Jones, twenty nineteen draft pick, so his rookie contract is over. The Giants did not pick up the fifth year option, and that is why he is in need. of They a- very much should have and,
0: and made a poor decision in not doing so.
1: Yeah, because at least it would have been more affordable than what they may have to mm-hmm. pay him now. And then, of course, Jalen Hurts in the class of twenty twenty, along with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And so, uh, in terms of dollars and cents. I will say this. I think Burrow, and this is getting in the weeds maybe a little bit, like Lamar needs to be paid. Lamar is, though, coming off of a year in which he only appeared in 12 games, yeah, he, and he he's hurt. missed he's missed three to four games per year each of the last three seasons. Um, so that's where, if anything, the Ravens at least have some ammo to come back at him with. Joe Burrow needs to be paid because the Bengals are expected to have the third most cap space this offseason, and financially speaking, if they don't pay him now, I'm not really sure how it's going to you know, pan out down the line. I mean, listen, the cap is quote-unquote fake. It's a myth because you can manipulate it, and it's all about upfront cash at the end of the day. And um, it's also
0: increasing too. We saw And, and he
1: also that. plays in Cincinnati, where I don't really know how deep the owner's pockets will be. Ditto to Justin Herbert. Um, and so that's where I think – Those ones are interesting. They're going to get Jalen Hurts paid. Uh, He is a second round draft pick. And so therefore he doesn't have the fifth year option in his back pocket or at least the team doesn't. And so I agree with your rankings. I I think it'll be really interesting to see how these, you know, players are like how, how the contracts are manipulated based on what everything else on going around them. But Lamar needs to be paid in some regard, because here's the other thing, John, we don't talk nearly enough about what Le'Veon Bell did when he got tagged and he didn't want to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like in this age of player empowerment, that's going to happen more. Sure. That's basically what the Sean Watson did when he wanted to trade out of Houston. It so is. that's where like, who's to say Lamar, if he gets tagged says, I'm not playing. Or if you are, you know, if, if you're Jalen hurts and you're entering the final year, of your rookie deal, and you still haven't gotten paid, like you're going to play, but are you going to start mm, not being as happy?
0: Well, if you're trying to play for a contract, you do everything you can. Like that's where I I give Daniel Jones a lot of credit because he played his ass off for a contract because, Mm -hmm. you know, if at the end of last season, we're not talking about Daniel Jones, even having a conversation about being a $45 million a year player. And now he is uh, in that conversation. Should he be a $45 million a year player? That's up for interpretation. That's up for everyone's opinion. Uh, You know, the, the giants truthfully, in my opinion, would be better off giving him the money and, freeing up that space for elsewhere, freeing that up for Saquon Barkley rather than tagging him or or whatever it may be. Um, That's
1: an interesting point too. stick a pin in that because I have some thoughts on that. Continue. Um,
0: But yeah, I mean, look, Joe Burrow is the type of guy, Daniel Jones is never going to be the face of the NFL. Like I said, I I do think Daniel Jones is probably a top 10 quarterback in the league right now, but I don't, he's never going to be the face of the NFL. Um, Joe Burrow can be the face of the NFL at one point. Yep. It's very possible. And Herbert too. an Herbert very well could be the face of the NFL at some point. Lamar is definitely kind of approaching that. Mm, okay. Got to be careful. Injuries are going to pile up over time, but he deserves to get that one big paycheck. There's no questions asked. We're talking about an MVP here. And there's other
1: teams that would give it to him.
0: And there are teams that would give it to him. The New York Jets would give it to him. There's other teams that would give, the to him.
1: would give Atlanta Falcons would give it to him. him. Give it to him. The Miami um, Dolphins.
0: And look, Jalen Hurts. Conspiracy. You know, like, Jalen Hurts is is proving that he has the intangibles to be a successful NFL player, and he's a great representative for the sport. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He's the type of guy that uh, should be on more commercials for the NFL. He he's represents the game in a good way. Yes, right. I, I stuck the pin in that thing. So go ahead, get Saquon.
1: I want to talk about Saquon real quick. Um, just because I heard a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they're duh, they're gonna re-sign him," um, and I was like, eh, "Not so fast, my friend." Um. I'm not sure the Giants are going to re-sign Saquon, and what would that mean for Danny Dimes if they do re-sign him without having Saquon to establish the run and establish the fun?
0: Yeah, I I mean, again, I think that's why the Giants should probably just pay the money to Daniel Jones at the end of the day. Like, you're always better off just making the investment in a quarterback than finding yourself in a vicious cycle of not being able to find one. I think we
1: mean like the Indianapolis Colts. Right. Right.
0: I think we can both agree. Daniel Jones proved you can win with him. It's just a matter of what are the pieces around him and how do you maximize that? Who's the coach? Those are. So if I'm the giants, I'm investing in that, taking the risk and, Use your franchise tag on Saquon Barkley, give him another year, and then you go from there and figure out you probably can't add too many more pieces after that, but maybe you get lucky in the draft. Maybe you hit on somebody that becomes a weapon for your team. Uh, The Giants had a very successful draft last year where you found weapons in it. So uh, it's not unfathomable. I think they should pay him. I don't think he should be making any more money than all those other guys that we listed. Agreed. Just and you can let us know your rankings too. Leave that super chat as we get to our final uh, topic of conversation here uh, on the day, which is about a guy. Speaking of
1: Alabama quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, AJ McCarron. We didn't get your thoughts on the XFL last week, so I'm curious what you got to say here. But uh, he led the St. Louis Battlehawks to their second consecutive come from behind victory, week two of the XFL being the Seattle Dragons 2018. What's most notable is. Uh, it, it surfaced this week that McCarron reportedly had some backup quarterback offers in the NFL, but he opted to sign with the XFL for the opportunity to start so that his young kids would be able to see him play. And even The Rock took to social media and said that A.J. McCarron was an essential part of the league because of stuff like that. Uh It's a pretty cool story when all said and done. Uh, but you know it is kind of putting that pin in his career potentially from the NFL standpoint uh, what's your take on this and him making this decision at the end of the day because it's not like AJ McCarron was a bad NFL uh, backup he he was a serviceable NFL backup quarterback
1: right and i'm sure he was making millions doing it i don't know how much money he's, he's going he to a pay cut to do this so right i, I think he he and his kids will have memories which, you know, there's that's intangible. You can't put a price tag on that. I respect that. I also think what's so awesome about this, John, is the fact that A.J. McCarron is playing for St. Louis in the XFL. This is a city that obviously it's NFL team left. Mm-hmm. Yep. They still love football in the Midwest, even if it's a baseball town. And now it's become a hockey town. And so it's not like you're in Houston or the absurd videos that have been coming out of Las Vegas of them having to spray paint. The field they play on, which honestly looks more like a college soccer field than it does a football stadium. Um, And that's the cool part is like, he's still getting all the intangibles of playing professional football, but he's getting to do it in, you know, granted a more, a smaller venue, if you may, uh, you know, for a smaller paycheck, but his kids are getting to see him play and, you know, he's getting more reps than he would have in the NFL. And we've already seen between the AAF and the USFL and the previous XFL, there have been success stories from those leagues to Mm -hmm. go to the National Football League. So I think AJ McCarron will bounce back into the NFL so long as his body holds up. And I think he and his kids will always have this memory. And while I don't think he'll be a starter in the NFL next year, I think he'll get a nice backup deal and you know, and then the offseason oh, and because
0: we need guys like this to succeed in order to have the league succeed. You need to have these stories where AJ McCarron, you know, he's not a superstar, but he's a recognizable name. If you're a football fan, you know who A.J. McCarron is. Won a, a
1: national championship. Won not he a Heisman finalist?
0: Won two national, national, national championships. championships with Alabama. Yeah. Um, so it, this is a guy who's a recognizable name and you know, in the NFL he's not a superstar, but serviceable backup took Cincinnati to the playoffs one year as a quarterback. So there's there's merit to him playing. I think it's cool that Dwayne Johnson himself endorsed him. Uh, again, we haven't gotten your thoughts on the XFL from what you've seen so far. Do you have any?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's similar to, in a weird way, but very different. You know, your your, your, your compatriots over at AEW, and my compatriots, I guess, as well, um, in the regards that for so long, there was no competitor to WWE and other competitors would attempt to rise. But until you had the TV deal, until you had X, Y, and Z, perhaps it just was never going to work. And so I'm still, XFL's you know, competitor? what's that?
0: I think the XFL is a competitor to the NFL.
1: No, but that's the million dollar question. What are they? Are they a feeder league or are they, they an alternative form of a- entertainment?
0: I think they need to become a feeder league. I think that's the end goal here. If you establish that, here is your farm system to the NFL, I, I think that's exactly what you need to be.
1: Then what does that make the USFL?
0: A competitor to the XFL. They're competitors, but I don't and what think... does that make
1: college football?
0: Uh, college football is a professional league.
1: Yeah, so it's a competitor to the XFL and the USFL. Because
0: well, that's, that's the question. That's the question, the is, the the question the is are we
1: going to start seeing it like we do in high school basketball versus, you know, how there's some kids who come out, they don't want to go to college. Well, they go to the overtime league. They go to the G to League. You
0: a few weeks ago on here that like that is going to be so important for the NFL or for the XFL rather where if they can convince some high-level high school football players who don't want to go to college to come play for them and get a high degree of professional experience and then those guys go to the NFL, that's where the XFL will make its money because all of a sudden you've got stars, but the question is, can someone become a star in the XFL? That How many is, people
1: are watching too. I mean, like, what, did well, you watch XFL this weekend?
0: I saw one of the. I, I actually watched the St. Louis game, uh, part of it. Um, to see, I
1: watched the... maybe like a minute or two, and I watched some of the
0: Orlando Guardians home game, which was a disaster. Okay,
1: because you have ties to the Orlando disaster. area. I mean, I watch college basketball. I watched the NBA. I watched golf. Maybe I, maybe I'm just different, and maybe I'm just trying to take my little break from football. But, I, like, I, I, it's cool. Like, I think it's awesome that there's, you know, I think just like the overtime and the G League, you're giving another opportunity. We do see success stories. Everybody loves an underdog story. Um, but it's not like I'm going to, oh, I got to watch the Guardians tonight. You know? I'm not sure I that's do. ever going to be reached.
0: I get it. This has been out of bounds. Another week in the books here. Of course. Anyway, we'll be back with you next Monday here on Know Your News. Make sure you're subscribed, Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. She's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.